Hi, everybody, and welcome to Life TK, the podcast where we talk to women writers, editors, and journalists in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond about the jobs they did when they were in their 20s. My name is Amanda Woidis, and I'm your host. Listeners, I have been a terrible podcast host. Two things have happened since I last talked to you that are pretty much the reason why I haven't talked to you. One, I got a promotion at work, which is great. It's been on my bucket list of things I wanted to do before I turned 30, so yay. However, now I work really long hours and I just don't have as much time to focus on passion projects. I pretty much conceive this entire podcast while at my desk at Food and Wine, but that's not my situation anymore and I've been struggling to carve out time for Life TK. Second, I had some family stuff that knocked me on my butt, and then I just got sad, and then even worse, I burned out burnout is the worst. I even talked about it with my guest this week. There's so many things I want to learn about and write about, and especially living in New York where there's a distraction every 10 minutes. That's Dawn Kissy, who has worked at a number of really cool places and launched her own company, Emerging Market Media, in 2016. Emerging Market Media publishes Emerging Market Views, a news, opinion, and video platform with content on the world's emerging and frontier markets. So think places like Brazil, Turkey, and Argentina. Dawn and I are going to be talking about her internships, first at a features television show and then Eyewitness News, as a desk assistant for ABC News, her time at graduate school in Columbia, the trade publication Women's Wear Daily, how she produced international news, how she started reporting about markets and emerging markets, a stint at the Wall Street Journal, and finally, how she started emerging market media. Oh, in addition, she's a CNBC special correspondent. I am not convinced she sleeps. But before we get to Dawn, I wanted to tell you that, guess what? I turned 30 over my little hiatus. It was really not very special. I went to work. (laughs) But now that I'm so much older and wiser, I wanted to reflect back and make a list for you guys with the best lessons I learned in my 20s. I wanted to come up with 30 of them, and then I realized a lot of what I was writing was advice given to me by people on the podcast. But I did come up with one semi-original thought. Here it is. No one else is going to advocate for you except for you. When I look back at my 20s and all the jobs I went after that I was ridiculously unqualified for, I feel a little embarrassed. At my first gig, the film editor quit and I was like, yeah, I want her job. I did not give one fuck that I was 23 and had no business asking for it. And before I left Time Inc., HR set me up with an interview for a deputy editor gig with Real Simple's executive editor. And I walked into the interview and the editor asked me how old I was. I made it very clear I was too young, but that she was going to humor me and talk to me anyway. It's mortifying, but now I have some distance from it and I'm so glad that I showed people I was ambitious. It would be worse to sit here and think, man, I would have really liked to have that job and I didn't even try for it. And you remember that promotion I mentioned earlier? Guess what my new title is? deputy editor. Sometimes you just have to land at the right place to get the recognition you deserve. And there you have it. To you from me with love. Now let's talk to Dawn. Born and bred New Yorker, grew up, you know, local news was a thing. You know, you always watched the local news, the evening news with your parents or mm-hmm. whatever. 
And my first job in journalism was at ABC News. It was at the network. And I can't say if that's where I had planned to be. I knew I wanted to have a job in media. And even though I had graduated undergrad with a minor in journalism, I wasn't 100% sure if I wanted to go into the journalism side or like the media buying side or the corporate side. So it really boils down to my internships. And in hindsight, I was really, really lucky. Um, I had two really good internships and over the course of a whole academic year in New York, which is the number one market, as you know, yes. and um, they were at Eyewitness News at Channel 7. So basically like the number one station in New York and the number one media market brought me on. I started off at, it was a weekly Sunday magazine show called Like It Is with Gil Noble. Um, Gil passed away a few years ago, may he rest in peace, but it was a very well-known and popular magazine program. I think it was 30 minutes and Will was an activist. He was this African-American broadcaster. They would look at issues current affairs issues impacting the community in New York, um, race relations, you know, everything, local politics, national politics. The show aired on Sunday mornings, I think at 11 or 12 noon, but we would tape it on Thursday and it was just a great experience. Like I went in and because we weren't on that daily grind of like 10 newscasts a day, yeah, you could really learn. So, so I got to see all aspects of putting a show together. Everything from, you know, storyboards, like, okay, what are we going to air on Sunday? What's happening in the area? What's happening, you know, outside of the city? What's happening on a national level that we can talk about and that we can get good people to come on and discuss and debate? So there was one aspect of being in these meetings almost every day, you know, because things change, right? Right. Sitting in the control room. It was my first time working in the control room. So we would go in, tape the show. We would have to do everything, get the set ready, you know, because, again, it's a weekly show in a big behemoth. And this was the year that Disney was finalizing its takeover of ABC News. And also, I, like, I also learned just how big the network was. You know, Channel 7 was one of hundreds of stations. Like, they've got affiliates all over the country. So this show was going national, right? Mm-hmm. And I was only one of two interns. And, you know, it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I, I witnessed news at six. It wasn't live with Regis and Kathy Lee. And it wasn't <laughs> entertainment. It wasn't weather. It was a weekly show. And we were left alone for the most part. So I really learned a lot. And because I was in that building with all everything else going on, I got exposed to a lot of people, anchors talent, you name it, directors, writers, producers, the station manager. So after my semester ended at Like It Is, I was like, okay, you know, this is this is interesting. I can do this. I moved over to news. So I became an intern at Eyewitness News, which was maybe 100 times <laughs> quicker paced. Yeah. Um, like, again, it was all about the learning and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I did that for another semester. I got my course credits. Everything was great. And my senior year comes, and I ended up still at ABC, but on the corporate side. And career services put me there because I still couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out if I wanted to be a writer, a producer, or this. And even if you thought you had it figured out, you weren't going to get there right away. You don't finish undergrad in New York City and become a full-time TV producer just like that. Like, there is a process to getting there. And there's so much competition. Oh, of course, because it's not just amongst your peers. It's against also with everyone graduating around the country and coming here. Right. right. And so 
I remember I was at corporate communications. I met all the big wigs at the network. I mean, I was reporting into the company spokesperson um, who basically sat down the hall from the then president, and we handled everything. We were doing corporate communications for ABC. So, for example, one project that really stayed with me was Black History Month. Black History Month was a big deal, and, you know, they wanted to, like, acknowledge it, obviously, as which is the right, right. thing to do. They would do specials, and we would be the ones putting out press releases, writing, promoting those specials. But because I was on that corporate level, you know, we were working on so many different things. I know I would work on, like, Disney stuff, then I would work on stuff with 2020, then I would work on something else. It was really interesting. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, it was actually actually really fun, you know, and I remember – I remember really liking the environment, you know, it was very corporate. Like I didn't go with jeans. Like we were upstairs. We weren't in the same building where the news anchors were. We were, we were on the same street where the buildings were connected and I really enjoyed it. But then when I graduated, I said, okay, I've got a degree and I want to stay in New York. I didn't want to really leave the city. So what I did was I went down to the news. I took a test, which was at the time pretty, pretty easy. It was like a news test. And I got hired. And there I was, I graduated. And I know that I started um, the year I graduated from college, which was 2000. Okay. So a lot was going on, you know, elections, this, that. But the turning point being at the network was 9-11. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I was a year and a half into my career. I was working with like really well-known news anchors you know, learning things. Everyone goes in as a desk assistant. That's what they call you. They call you a desk assistant because you're basically sitting in a newsroom and working with everyone. You're working with the writers. You're working with the assignment editors. You're working with the producers. You're working with the executives, you know? And then when 9-11 hit, I mean, it was just, I remember the day and I wasn't working that day, but I remember not being able to get to work for about, I think, two days. But just, there was just so much going on. And, you know, you, you began to see a different side of the business in the sense that, okay, we've got resources that we have to put to work. And it was also an opportunity for me to start stepping up because all of a sudden, people are being sent out of town. People are being deployed all over the world. People are being deployed, you know, different cities. They're going here, Pennsylvania. And not to say that we were short-staffed, but there were a lot of opportunities opening up for me to say, oh, I can do this, or oh, I can do this, or oh, I can help with this. So that that kept going on. And then I ended up just indirectly getting promoted a couple of times over my tenure there. And so I went from desk assistant to production assistant. I was doing a lot in the studios and the control rooms. Then I started producing shows, basically. And it was it was pretty interesting. And then I also knew that by 2003, I was getting restless in a sense that I wanted to start writing. Yeah. And writing for broadcast is very different than sitting down and penning like a 4,000-word magazine article <laughs> right. or interview. So I thought, okay, what do I do? What do I do now? I want to start writing. There's no way I'm going to like crack into the Writers Guild Union without having written in any other network. So the good thing about being in New York and being at, a, at the network that I was at, there were a lot of people that were graduates of Columbia Journalism School, Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism. But I remember talking to one guy who was very, very senior, who told me to do it. He said, you're quite young, so I don't know, but I think you'd be great at it. And I remember talking to one of the editors, like he was like a lead editor 
on mm-hmm. World News Tonight, and same thing. They were like, hands down, 100%, do it, whatever. So I applied. How old were you and at I this got point? In. Oh, I was super young. I wasn't even, tw- I, I don't even I think I was maybe 24. Okay. Um, and in hindsight, it was probably one of the best decisions, not just of my career, but of my life to go there because, I mean, I have some amazing friendships that are even stronger today than when they were in school, both personally and professionally. And it's, it's a very special place. And I'm glad I got in. I'm grateful I was accepted. And I'm glad I survived because it's not the <laughs> easiest. And yeah. I went to school at the time I was one of the youngest in the class. And I remember thinking, why am I here? I'm here because I want to learn how to think differently and write right? Like writing for broadcast, once you do it, you can do it. You know, it's like two minutes in live TV or radio is like dog years, you know, but these days I'll I'll spend a month working on the story because I want to talk to as many people as possible, get all the perspectives and like build the piece. looking for an internship and I got one at a trade publication called Women's Wear Daily which is you know it's a yeah it's legendary yeah so I went in I interviewed I remember it was very chaotic dozens of people trying to get internships at Women's Wear at this magazine this publication and I went to Women's Wear Daily and I had my resume in my hand and I remember sitting in front of a guy named Arthur Zakowitz who at the time was the senior financial editor. And he said to me, he's like, you know, we can't bring you on full time because of this and that. But if you're interested, we are looking for people on the retail beat. And I was like, of course I'm interested. So I got brought on and another classmate, Samita, who I'm still very friendly with, the two of us were there. And for us at the time, it was just about like getting bylines, right? Getting clips. But it was so fascinating to learn about the trades and when I say the trades, I mean, Women's Wear Daily is the business of fashion, the business of beauty, the business of retail. So, you know, something like, you know, Tommy Hilfiger using a new fabric is a story. Something like, you know, where Walmart's stock price is going is a story. And it wasn't just about sitting in the beauty closet or the fashion closet. And I remember thinking, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I'm just going to go and I'm going to report and write. And I had so many opportunities there. It's unbelievable. It was one of the best positions I've held. And I think it's because I was working with someone so experienced and so respected, even something like Martha Stewart, her trial. You know, we covered it. You know, we covered IPOs of big businesses. And I developed this newfound respect for trade publications. I remember going to interview an analyst about a company's stock, a a retail company. And when I got to her office with my editor, Arthur, she had Women's Wear Daily. She had them stacked on her desk. And I remember her saying, I read it every day. I can't read the New York Times every day because it's too mass market. They don't talk about like, you know, XYZ stock. I need to know where this stock is going for my client. Like it was very narrow. Yeah. And I just began to realize like, this is really interesting because if you go broad, you know, you're going to struggle, but if you focus in on a demographic and service them, it can work. So I, you know, that was a big learning experience. Um, Unfortunately I got poached 
Um, oh. About a year. Yeah, I stayed on after graduation, but I got poached. Um, Columbia Journalism School has a program with CNN called the CNN Master's Fellows. So what the Master's Fellow program was, they'll pick three Columbia J School grads, and you can go to either CNN International, CNN Domestic, or Headline News. And because of my background, I was selected for CNN International, so I headed down to Atlanta. Um, I would have preferred to stay in New York, but the program was based at headquarters. Okay. So I went down. And I ended up being like an associate producer on two shows, Inside Africa and Inside the Middle East. And it was fascinating. You know, it was hard because I'm such a New Yorker and, you know, Atlanta just wasn't my town, but I adjusted after a while. So I did that. The Master's Fellows program, I think it ran for like nine months or so. And I was extended a job offer, but I didn't want to live in Atlanta, so I came back home. Okay. And I had a short stint at CNBC, again, through Columbia Journalism School. Like, as soon as I got back home, I sent a few emails. I think I went to CNBC for maybe, like, I don't know, three months or so. And then, um, I'm trying to remember, I ended up on Wall Street. One of my sources, I was in touch with him about stories I was thinking about doing as a freelancer. And he introduced me to the publisher of a financial news trade publication. He said, you know, I love Jeff. I think you'll be great working there. I'm going to tell him. I know he's looking to hire someone. They haven't hired. It's such a small team. They didn't even have a website when I went in for my interview, I think. I think the website was about to go live within oh, wow. a couple of weeks. And he hired me. He extended an offer. And it, it, was, it was really tough. It was a weekly trade paper that focused on securities markets. Super niche. So like securities trading, commodities trading, market structure, stuff I had never written about. And Jeff took this, he took an interest in me in the sense that he was like, don't worry, once you get out and start talking to people, you'll get it. And so I did that for about, I think I was with the paper for three years, but then I started getting recruited by companies that I was reporting on. So, oh my God. So like company, yeah, so like company X, like, oh, you know, we're working on this new marketing plan and we, you know, you're such a good writer because it's really hard. It's really technical stuff, you know, so did you just, like, were you able to just pick that up right away? I didn't pick it up all at once. I picked it up by talking to people. I picked it up by reading a lot. So my editor would give me books. And then when you go and talk to these people, like, for example, there's one guy in Boston who we're still very, I'm very close with today. He would actually send me articles. Hey, take a look at this. And I have found that with financial reporting, there's no room for error. There's never room for error. But with the industry we were in, you just had to be that much more careful, you know, because it wasn't just about market moving information. It was also about data and technology and people moves. And they're just hanging out with them, you know, because, you know, these guys have expense accounts. Oh, you know, we're meeting up for drinks tonight. Do you want to come? I'll, I would go for half an hour. Just okay. put a name to the face and go, yeah. you know, because you don't want to get too close to them, but you just want to keep learning. And I also found that, you know, I remember I sat down with the CEO of One Exchange downtown and he he offered his help. He told his team to work with me closely because they would rather work with me and have me get it right than to not work with me and have me get it wrong. So I did that. And then I don't know how I ended up. This is a really interesting twist. I ended <laughs> up in the Middle East. What? And I, yeah, I ended up in the Middle East one summer. I think it was 2009 because one of my best friends had moved to Egypt. She had been recruited 
by a hospital in Cairo. So she was there. I went to go visit her. And then I ended up meeting all these journalists in Cairo that were just roaming around the region and working. So I ended up doing a story. So I sent it to my editor back home. And I was like, you know what? It's the financial crisis. Everyone's losing their job. We were actually hiring, okay, even though, like, my, I, I was looking for a reason to leave because I felt like I had plateaued. I had been at this paper three years now, I think, and it's like my publisher was gone, my editor was gone, the two guys that brought me in and basically, like, moved me along, you know, with all my work and supported me were gone. And I knew that my time was coming in a sense that I was just going to start to get bored, yeah. even though I couldn't get bored. So I just planted myself in the Middle East in Jordan, and I started covering the markets from there. And I was covering, like, Gulf markets in Qatar and, you know, just the markets in general. I was just sending stories home from there. So I, I kind of did that. I would come home, like, every three, four months, I think. And I just did it. And then one day I got an email from someone at Dow Jones at the Wall Street Journal, one of the recruiters, saying that they were interested in me and would I be interested in coming to New York and taking the test. And I said, okay, great. You know, well, I'm doing some ghostwriting on the side, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. This could be a, a way to come home and work full time again in New York. So I came back to New York and I took the test. I passed and I started, I started working there. Um, the Wall Street Journal and Dow Jones was going through a lot at that time. There were issues with the union, you know, the, the, the new ownership, people still really hadn't gotten used to it, even though it had been a few years. And for me, it was almost like a reunion because I start working and here I am with people that I went to school with, people that I, my industry colleagues that I see at events. And, you know, I was covering um, foreign markets and I loved it. And I had an easy commute, you know, I would just, yeah. you know, hop on the F train. You know, I had some really big blockbuster stories and I was proud of that. But again, the opportunity came and I took it because I started to see layoffs happening on my team because a product that they were building out wasn't performing. And I thought to myself, I have to go rather than stay, right? So I left. So Dawn's career has been so interesting and prolific. You can see that she's worked for a lot of big outlets, trade publications, and then she embedded herself in the Middle East. From here, she did some freelancing and then worked at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And now we're going to hear about how she started her company. One problem I've had was that I think I'm a little too curious. So I think it was in 2015, I had this idea. What if there could be a website that's like almost like my paper, but focused on emerging markets? Because that's what I covered. So I started playing with the idea. I started talking to a couple of sources between like Frankfurt and New York and London. And I asked, I was like, would you pay for something like this? Would you read this? Would you do this? People were like, yeah, we would pay for this. Yes, we do this. And I thought to myself, okay, but then the question comes down to how do I pay reporters, right? right. I know there are people that want to work and that need work. So what we did was I set up the company it's called Emerging Market Media, and we have a flagship website. We launched the site in 2016, and it's experts, you know, so we yeah. do analysis and opinion, and I owe this all. Like, I've always been a little entrepreneurial, but now I'm in my mid-30s, and I, like, when I look back at my 20s, I actually did take quite a bit of risk when it came to my career because I had some really comfortable positions. I didn't have to leave. I could have gone right back to ABC after grad school that wouldn't have been a problem, you right. know? And the funny thing is I actually had quite a number of offers, but I thought to myself, I want to try this. I want to try this. I want to try this. And then I want to do this. And I went from fashion to securities markets, to international news, television, back to wall street, into a corporate role. And now I'm running my own startup. 
I'm the founder and CEO and current editor-in-chief of the site, and I brought on three reporters so far this year, and people seem really excited. Once they get to know what we're trying to do, they're excited. And in hindsight, I owe a lot of what I'm doing now to my time at the trades, to my time at Columbia Journalism School. Um, you know, the risk is there. There's a risk in everything you do, but taking the risk, I think, early on and learning from it really sets you up for something else. Because if I didn't make these strategic moves by saying no to the big brands and going to and not going to the smaller brands, I wouldn't be able to handle this. We're a small company. You know, right. it's like I can deal with it. One thing that struck me about Dawn is that she seems so outgoing and like a great connector. You know those awesome people who are the first ones to recommend you to talk to someone? I asked Dawn how she got to be such a good connector. Ever since my undergrad years, in terms of internships, like people have been very good to me. You know, I'll go to an event, oh, you should meet someone. So, and I don't forget those things. I don't forget. I know what it's like to be the youngest person in the room, to be the only woman of color in the room. I remember when I got to this paper on Wall Street, like I was the youngest person by at least, I think, 25 years on staff. Wow. When I was out of college, I had people guiding me. And that's just not possible in today's media environment. Like, I hear it all the time. So if I can give you a name or do an intro, like, I'm happy to do it. Because what do I have to lose? In terms of connecting, people have done it for me. And I will never, ever deny this. Like, unknowingly, things have happened. People I haven't spoken to in a year will, oh, you know, call. Every now and then I'll get an email. Oh, so-and-so recommended me to you. And it's it's a very nice feeling to know that you're still on someone's mind and that they think of you as a professional. So if I can help, I'm always happy to do it because I know what it's like, you know, especially going to Columbia, you know, not everyone got their dream job right away. You know, like people need help sometimes. (laughs) People need help period. Yeah. Yeah. What was the biggest challenge or greatest lesson you learned in your twenties? In my 20s, I would say probably to be a little more patient. Really? That's such an interesting answer. I don't get that one a lot. You know, I think it's, you, you have to, again, it was a different time. You know, this was yeah. my 20s. You know, it, was, it wasn't the Instagram era. And I just, because I was in this organization, I was in ABC News that was winning Emmys and Peabody's and every other award, left and right. You know, and you just want, you know, it's like, oh, my God, when am I going to get my Emmy? You know, when am I going to get my Peabody? Like, I'm, I'm good. Like, what's going on? And so I think just being patient and knowing that, like, you, like you just have to go down that road. You know, you're not going to win an Emmy one year in out of college. And I knew this, but still, like, when you're surrounded by, like, excellence, when you're surrounded by people, the bar was so high, you know? And I think just for my 20s, I think just being patient and, Frankly speaking, also taking a little more risk. I wish I had done certain things in my 20s that, you know, I'm doing now, but it is what it is. And when I had the more security, you know, like taking a little more risk when I was still living with my parents, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah. Um, what do you wish you had known in your 20s that you know now? What I wish I had known in my 20s that I know now is that, you know, you know, the world spins on, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't have to do everything at once, even though I'm curious, and I, I tend to ask questions, I'm even a bit of a skeptic, like, you know, there are things that, you know, can wait. And that there are things that the world isn't going anywhere, so to speak, you know, like the world can wait, you know? Yeah. It's kind of sometimes hard in your 20s to distinguish between things. What's important? What's important. And also like those opportunities that don't that aren't going to come 
again. You know what I mean? Like something can happen and it can seem really scary and it can seem like a ton of work and you're kind of nervous about it, but it might be an opportunity that like you're not, once it's passed, it's gone. Yeah. If you're curious enough, I think another opportunity will find its way to you. There's so many things I want to learn about and write about, but I can't. I got to stay focused right now. You know, I mean, I, I'm interested in certain things. Like, I really like fine art. <laughs> and I wish I could write about it, but there's just no time. There are not enough hours in the day, and you don't want to burn yourself out. And especially living in New York where there's a distraction every 10 minutes, just staying grounded is very, very important. And I think if you can just find that place where you're still engaged 100%, but also, you know, looking inward. And I, you know, I didn't do, I didn't know this in my 20s. It was all about making money, getting promoted and moving on to the next big job. But now it's like, okay, you know, it's like, this is what I'm doing. And I have to stay healthy and stay sane if I want to do well. say thank you so much to Dawn for her time and insights. I loved how in her career she had the opportunity to work at big outlets. She definitely could have gone back to ABC News after graduation, but she instead chose to work for these more specialized, nimble publications and companies and really became an expert in her field. Check out Emerging Market Views at em-views.com and follow Dawn on Twitter at Dawn Kissy. See you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you.